Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Now, if you're just joining us, we've been journeying through this book called Matthew. It's, it's, it's known as a gospel, the good news about Jesus, written by a tax collector who was a firsthand witness of what Jesus did. He followed Jesus for three years, became one of the 12 apostles, and this is his account of what Jesus was up to during his ministry. And he had a couple reasons to write this good news account about Jesus. First, he wanted to show everybody who would come to read or hear about this gospel that Jesus is ultimately the one that the whole Old Testament is pointing toward. He's the fulfillment and true version of all of the, the, the heroes of the faith that were foreshadowing his coming. So he's the true Abraham, the true Moses, the true Noah, the true David. He's the, the fulfillment of all the prophets and promises of the Old Testament. If you want to know what your Bible's about, it's about Jesus. The whole story is about Jesus. And this is what Matthew is trying to show in his gospel. And then ultimately, the invitation is this, to show that all people, this is good news for you, all people, especially irreligious and unimportant people, hallelujah, who put their faith in Jesus experience salvation and transformation. That does sound like good news, doesn't it? And this is Matthew's purpose. And so what we've seen in the last nine chapters is Matthew's account of how this rolled out. And we saw the backstory of Jesus early on, the genealogy. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to go back to chapter two and look at the Christmas story. But we've seen the, as the pages have turned, we saw Jesus baptized and then go out into the wilderness where he was tempted, tested by the devil. And he succeeded where Adam and Moses failed. Then he goes up onto a mountain and establishes the fulfillment and a higher law in the sermon. On the Mount, again symbolizing what happened in Israel and Moses. Don't have time for that today. But then it says in Matthew 4, verse 23, that Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And from that point on in Matthew chapter 4, you start to see Jesus doing just that. He's teaching about the kingdom teaching in ways that nobody had ever heard. And to this day, it's the most brilliant, world-changing, game-changing, you know, moral teaching you're ever going to encounter anywhere. And also, you see all this testimony about people encountering Jesus and impossibly incredible things happening to them. Namely, physical healing happening when Jesus comes on the scene. And so every turn of the page, you start to see more testimony about healing. And we get to Matthew 9, the whole thing is about all these healings that are happening. And you start to find this inescapable reality that the Gospels all present you, not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. About 25% of the Gospels are record of supernatural healing that Jesus accomplished for real ordinary people going through the afflictions of life. A quarter of the, of the Gospels. And if we're going to take Jesus at all seriously, you have to reconcile this supernatural healing component of his ministry. And I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that that for a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up in, you know, the 21st century West where we have technology and medicine and we have science and we have understanding on things that maybe they didn't even have in the first century, 
We struggle a little bit with this idea of supernatural healing, and it's hard to come to grips with it at times. This conversation around healing for a lot of us is a struggle. And if that's you today, you're not alone. All of us, I think, at some degree struggle with these miraculous works of healing we find in the scripture. Some of us, we, we're, we're frustrated maybe with the gap of our experience. You read the Gospels, you read the book of Acts, you read the New Testament, and you, you see the expectation is miraculous healing, and then your experience maybe hasn't been quite up to the level of what you thought it would be. For more people, they, they're often relegated into this space where they start to sort of dismiss, whether intentionally or just by osmosis, this part of following Jesus, that maybe that was for another time, or maybe that happened for other people, but not for me. And we start to sort of put the healing stuff in this different category. And we form this sort of fragmented version of following Jesus. And that's not unusual. It's been very common in the church of Jesus Christ. You've seen all kinds of different sects and different groups sort of relegate the miraculous healing into its own space. Uh, famously, one of the I guess the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers of, of the United States, he wrote the Declaration of Independence. It was him that talked about how every human being, God has given inalienable rights, like this brilliant man, third president of the United States, famously loved the moral teachings of Jesus, but really struggled with the whole like miraculous healing part. And so, I don't know if you've ever heard about the Jefferson Bible. Has anybody heard of the Jefferson Bible? Not many in this room. Well, the Jefferson Bible is what Thomas Jefferson did to the Bible. He sat down with a penknife and he cut out all of the parts of the gospel that have to do with miraculous healing. So you can actually see there's a couple of versions of this. He gave this to different people. There's a couple of versions you can see at the Museum of American Natural History. I think there's one at the Library of Congress. But Jefferson famously carved up and cut out the parts of the, the Gospels that have to do with miraculous healing. He believed that Jesus was the greatest moral teacher that has ever lived, but he didn't really know what to do with the whole miraculous healing part, this child of the enlightenment. Now, we look at that and perhaps chuckle a little bit, but in reality, I don't think all of us are all that much different. We might not sit down with a penknife and carve up the holy word of God, but perhaps in our minds and in our expectations, we can be tempted to live with a version of this cut out, carve out faith. Has anybody ever found themselves guilty of that? Maybe not taking seriously what the Bible takes seriously. It's very possible to live life and even believe in Jesus, but maybe have created some cut down, diluted version of the faith. Cut out faith is pretty popular still today. It wasn't just happening in Jefferson's day. It wasn't just happening in the first century. It was happening even today. A lot of us are tempted to cut out Jesus' hard teachings, aren't we? This is a hard teaching. Who can do that? They said, the disciples said. Some of us are tempted to cut out parts that maybe are politically incorrect. And often we're tempted to cut out the miraculous supernatural stuff because it really trips our wires. But that's a problem because the Bible is loaded with promises and supernatural healing. There's 5,467 promises in Scripture that God will intercept and reach into our lives and make something impossible possible. 
Over 5,000. And Jesus, according to Matthew, is God in the flesh, the embodiment of all these promises. And the gospel presents this undeniably unanimous front that Jesus is a healer. So what do we do with that? How do we make sense of healing? I want to take just a few minutes today, just as, as pastor over this church, I want to just sort of set a framework and expectation for healing. Now, this isn't new to us. I remember getting here about 17 years ago, Pastor Don, we, we've done healing services in the past. This is not new, but I do believe God is taking us deeper into this as part of our culture. And I want to answer a few questions about healing. Three questions I want to answer very quickly today. If you're a note taker, you're going to love this. This is very teachy. So lean in and take notes. It does my heart well to know you're paying attention. Three questions. Are you with me? All right. Are we sure that God heals? Number two, why does God heal? And number three, how should we go about healing? So let's jump right in. I don't have a ton of time and I want to cover this thoroughly because I think this is going to help kind of frame this in. So let's start with, are we sure that God heals? Now, when we are forming theology, if you've been around here before, you've seen me reference this. This is known as Wesley's quadrilateral. And what that is, is a framework through which we discern what is true about God. And this is how we kind of come about our theological positions through this quadrilateral. It's this four-legged chair that we rest our faith on. This is how we develop and devise theology. Like what we think about God and what we should expect he will do in the world, we do it through these four components, through Christian tradition, through the, the, the basis of scripture, through personal experience and testimony, and then through logic and reason. When we filter our expectations through these things and we filter our understanding through these things, this is how we form theology. Does that make sense? So what do we want to do? We want to first ask, what does the Bible have to say about the subject of healing? Look, if it's not in the Bible, it's not authoritative over us. We begin with the Word of God. It's the foundation. So we anchor this whole thing in Scripture. So what does the Scripture say about healing? Well, let's do a 60,000-foot flyover. If you look in the Old Testament, the Old Testament unequivocally presents God as a healer. In fact, God even presents himself as a healer. If you remember, Moses was being spoken to. By God, I am that I am. And then he, he speaks to, to Moses and to Israel in Exodus 15. He says, I am the Lord who, say it with me, who heals you. This is who I am, says the Lord. I am a healer. The children of Israel, became, they came to know God as a healer. One of the names for Jehovah is Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, our healer, this is who God is. And if you could survey the Old Testament, I would encourage you to do it. Just flip through the pages and look for different stories where God steps in in space and time and heals and transforms. There are hundreds of references and psalms and stories and prophecies about God healing. It's who he is. The story of Sarah and Abraham, the, the beginning of Israel's story was birthed in healing. Literally, she was, she was barren and God touched her barrenness. The story of Abimelech, the story of Miriam's leprosy, the story of Hannah's barrenness. Job was healed. 
You saw multiple plagues God bringing healing to. You see in the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, so many episodes of miraculous healing. Too many to list here, but a few off the top of my head. The widow of Zarephath, the Shunammite woman's son, uh, Naaman, the Syrian commander, healed of leprosy, Jeroboam's hand, all through the Old Testament. What about the story of Hezekiah, the king? He was on death's door, and they pleaded on his behalf, and God said, I'll grant you 15 more years, and he was, his, his youth was restored instantaneously. The Old Testament is chocked full of healing, and then when Jesus comes on the scene, if you flip the page into the New Testament, there's this explosion of it. It's not just these kind of touch points throughout the narrative, but you see this explosion of healing. The promises of the Old Testament begin to become apparent in and through the healing and saving work of Jesus. It's as though when Jesus came on the scene, the the door of heaven opened. He said, I am the gate, I am the door. And all of a sudden, the supernatural work of God just increased exponentially. And you see this happen through the work of Jesus. And then you see it even increase When Jesus dies and is resurrected, the greatest miracle of all time, amen? And then we find he what? He goes and he ascends ascends to heaven, pours out the Holy Spirit, and then ordinary people like you and me, you got James and John and Peter and Paul and these disciples and apostles, they start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus said would happen, you will do these works and even greater things And we start to get testimony through the book of Acts and into the letters of Paul and the letter of John and James. You start to get testimony that God indeed is a healer and his spirit is here on the earth to bring comfort and healing and mercy in real space and in real time. And so the conclusion of the scripture ultimately speaks of God healing the whole world through the saving work of Jesus Christ. Revelation 21 and 22, where he eradicates sickness and sin and death and toil and all of it entirely from the universe. God is a healer. You can't take the scripture seriously and and, and extract the work of healing. It's interesting, you know, with all due respect to Mr. Jefferson, I'm sure he was a very smart man, But one gaping hole in the whole idea of cutting out Scripture and the miracles, you never would have heard about Jesus if it wasn't for all of these miracles. You would never have had his moral teaching to go by. The miracles put Jesus on the map. And then beyond that, the miracles and the healing put the church on the map. The church expanded. The evangelistic edge of the church was led by these healing works. And so healing is absolutely all through the Bible. Now, really quick, what kind of healing are we talking about here? Well, there's several that you see in the Scripture. You see psychological and emotional healing. You see people's minds being restored. You see sociological and relational healing. You see relationships being restored, whole nations being restored, like society being restored. You see spiritual healing. Uh, demonic strongholds and bondage being cast out. We just saw that in Matthew 9, didn't we? There was a, a man who had an evil spirit that was causing him to be mute. And Jesus cast it out and he was healed. But ultimately, we see a lot of natural, physical healing in the created order. You see land restored. You see nature controlled. Jesus calms the storm. And then time and time again, you see bodies being 
healed. All kinds of people being healed in all kinds of ways. So that's, does the Bible say that healing is a thing? Yes, okay, good. Check, let's keep going on the quadrilateral. So scripture, what do we say about tradition? Does Christian tradition back this up? Well, there has always been those who doubted. Uh, If you read Matthew 28, one of the most mind-boggling things is in Matthew 28, Jesus, the risen Christ, goes up a hill and the people, the, the disciples see him taken up to heaven that said, some worshiped and some doubted. If you're not going to believe that Jesus is Lord, when you see his nail-scarred hands resurrected from the dead, and then you watch him levitate off to heaven, you're not going to believe. But it says some doubted even then. So doubt has always been part of the picture. And you've seen church uh, people, Christians throughout history over the last 2,000 years, kind of, again, like Thomas Jefferson, relegate their faith to moral, moral you know, ideation, but not really expecting miracles. However... You also see through the last 2,000 years of history, you can't find one time in Christian history where there wasn't pockets or movements of people who were experiencing the mighty, miraculous healing work of the Holy Spirit. For 2,000 years, unanimously, you have Christians saying, hey, did you know that God still heals? For 2,000 years. Now you have cessationists, people who believe that that only happened until the church was established and once the apostles died off, there's no such thing as healing anymore, that God doesn't do that. I think that is cutting up your faith a little bit too much and not taking the scripture seriously enough. If you look at the early church fathers and the testimony of the early church, you have all kinds of unanimous testimony that God is still healing bodies and healing sickness. You read the desert fathers, in the, you know, 300, 400, 500, you, you, you get testimony of healing. You read the Catholic church and you think about their history. You can't be a saint without God confirming your sainthood through some type of miraculous healing work. And then, of course, we have countless revivals, like major mass movements of the Spirit that, that, that healing and signs and wonders accompany at the Great Awakening. You have John Wesley himself walked in healing and signs and wonders. You have the Welsh Revival. You have Azusa Street. I could go on. But Christian tradition absolutely backs up the fact that what? God is a healer. Amen. Do you believe that? So this is, this is history, y'all. It's not just biblical. It's historic. Let's get into personal experience. Now, you might not have ever experienced anything like this before. This might be really weird for you, but you, I can promise you, if you're at one of our locations, you are in a room with people who have experienced the hand and touch of God before in their lives. Maybe even just, let's just risk this. Who here in the room has ever seen God perform a miraculous healing? Just raise your hand. All over the room in the valley, I suspect they are in Halifax, West, Charlottetown, and St. Stephen. Yes, this is not uncommon. It's actually interesting. I think the, the Satan, the ruler of the power of the air, dilutes our memory because there's times where God will do amazing works and I'll forget about it. Anybody ever, ever noticed that? We have seen God do incredible things in and through our church and even recently. Now, do we believe that healing comes through the doctor? Absolutely. I am grateful for the grace of God he has given humanity through medicine, science, and technology, and capable men and women who have trained in that area. Can I get an amen? 
We aren't those people who say, hey, God's gonna heal me. I'm not taking that medicine. God's like, take the medicine. I gave that to you, right? Like, it's called common grace. We very much believe in that. We also are grateful that God gave us bodies that oftentimes can heal themselves. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Like, like you have the flu, you're gonna get over it. Your body's gonna fight it back. That's amazing. But we also, as a church, have come to know that God can and often does reach in and touch bodies in real time and jump over the line of the waiting room. He just does. And jump over the process of your body's natural immune system fighting back and just saying, no, we're going to do this now. God can do that. And we've seen it. We've seen it recently. I heard a bunch of testimonies just this week from our alpha group who were going through the healing part of that course. And they experienced God doing multiple works of healing just this week. We've seen over the last several years as our prayer ministry team at all of our locations every week get up, get up and pray. We've seen necks healed, backs healed, insomnia, cancer, headaches, sinuses, vision, hearing. We've seen all those things. I myself have had the privilege of praying for multiple people. I've, I've seen ears touched. I've seen backs touched, knees, headaches, sleep. Uh, there are here at the Valley anyway, I think six babies and kids that are walking around that we specifically prayed for mom and dad who weren't able to have kids. No one's going to tell me that God didn't do that. I've seen it. He's a healer. And you could ask any of the pastors, any of your campus pastors, ask Pastor Adam in at West. He'll tell you about the time he prayed for the guy in Superstore who wasn't able to move his hand for 20 years and then he gets mobility back in his hand. You could ask Pastor John about his father who was like very debilitated and then this, this pastor prayed over him and his back was healed and it launched him into a life of ministry that you and I are benefiting from this day in Pastor John's ministry. You could talk to Pastor Seth about the guy just recently who was in a car accident and had back and knee problems. They prayed over in the gym parking lot and God touched him. You can talk to Pastor Pete in St. Stephen. A guy just recently was cured of long COVID. He, was, he had that draggy, lethargic thing. And then prayer, through prayer, God snapped him into like full health. You can talk to Johnny about Tim who went through incredible physiological hardships over the last year and Don and Lisa and people at the Charlottetown church and people here even prayed specifically for Tim and now he is in great health. All this to say, our experience has been that God is a healer and it stands to reason that God is a healer. Based on the scripture, based on Christian tradition, based on what we've seen, we have to conclude that that's who God is. Can I get an amen? God is a healer. Now, let's move into why God heals. Are you with me? I want to just build this framework. Have we answered the first question? Does God heal? Yes, he does. He absolutely does. Now, let's get a little bit deeper. Why does God heal? Why does God heal? Well, here it is. All healing work of God is a sign. Every miracle in this life that you're going to experience is ultimately pointing to something or someone greater than the miracle itself. Your healing is not an end to itself. It is a sign toward the end that God is pointing. It's, it, nobody... Nobody like goes into, into a sign and stands at it and says, we're here. Like if you're driving to Nebraska and you get to Nebraska and you see, welcome to Nebraska on the sign, 
You're not going to set up camp at the sign. You want to actually see Nebraska. Now, you might get out and take a picture. One of those, any, anybody's mom, like that person, is like, we're going to take a picture. Get in the bit. Uh, ah. Anyway, not my mom. My wife is a picture person. I, I hate my picture being taken. Just saying. It's, maybe it's because of this. I'm on camera. Anyway. But nobody gets out beyond the sign and says, okay, let's stay here. The sign's job is to point to something or someone or somewhere else. Amen? And that's the purpose of healing. Healing is a sign. It is a message from the Almighty to point us to something beyond the moment and pain and trouble that we're in. Healing is a sign. Now, what is it pointing to? Now, I have three things. I suspect there's more but I have three primary things that I think healing miracles are designed to point us to that we would see. And if you have more, you can, you can you know, text me or whatever. But here's what I got. Why does God heal? Three, three C words. First reason, God heals to show he, say it with me, he cares. He heals because he loves us. He weeps with those who weep. He comforts the afflicted. That's who he is. And oftentimes, he heals simply to show he cares. I love the story we just read about the woman with the issue of blood. Now, if you remember, Jesus wasn't looking for her. Was he? He was going to heal the synagogue leader's child. He was on his way there. He wasn't even thinking about this woman at that moment. But then what happened? She comes up to him and intercepts him and interrupts him. And you don't see a response from Jesus. And we don't have time to get into all the cultural stuff as to why this was culturally inappropriate and, and ceremonially in, inappropriate. But we don't see Jesus reacting like the Pharisees saying, oh, don't touch me. I don't have time for you. I'm doing more important things. What did, what did we see Jesus do? He turned to her. He had compassion on her. He took time for her. He cared about what was ailing her. And he healed her. Jesus has compassion on her and he heals her. And it shows that oftentimes healing is out of the compassionate heart of God for you. Sometimes God just wants to show you he knows and he cares about you. A lot of the time you'll read, if you're reading the Gospels, that Jesus, it says, having compassion on them, he healed them. It's out of his compassion. It's a sign of his merciful, loving care, the approachability of God. Oftentimes God heals simply to show and reveal that he cares about what hinders us. So he, he, he heals to show that he cares, to open up a deeper dialogue about the love of God. Uh, one, one testimony I got back from the Alpha uh, healing experience this week uh, was from, from Dave, who's been running it here at the Valley. And he said, you know, when these physical healings were happening, I'll quote him here, I got, he texted, he said, it seemed to open up something deeper that was going on, which seemed to be more impactful than the healing itself. People seemed more impacted by the work God was doing on the inside rather than what they were experiencing on the outside. And that's ultimately, I think, at the heart of what God is trying to do when he touches people. It, it's to draw us. It's a sign of his love and affection for us, to draw us deeper into him. Does any, anybody know what I'm talking about? I think sometimes when God moves, and I've, I've experienced this in my own life, even through, through praying for people, there's that initial, oh my goodness, it worked. And then there's the, then there's the oh God, who am I that you're mindful of me? Like, you care about, you care about this? 
You care about me that way? Healing has a way of showing the kindness of God. It shows he cares. Number two, he often heals to show he can. It's a flex. <laughs> it's just to show that he's able, that he's capable, that, that it, it demonstrates his glory. I love Jesus heals the, the, the woman with the issue of blood and then he, it says he goes into the synagogue leader's home and they laughed at him. Like, this is ridiculous. She's clearly dead. And he's like, get out of here. Not in, my, not in my definition. Like, we're not done yet. Jesus did something laughable. And oftentimes, God will heal simply to show and reveal that he has the power to do what's laughably impossible as a demonstration of his authority. You remember when he healed the, the paralytic? We did that a few weeks ago. What did he say? He said, so that you will know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, get up, take your mat, and walk. He often will heal as a demonstration of his authority, that he can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, for whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He's God. Shows his authority. Jesus said in John 9, uh, the disciples were asking, you know, who sinned that this man would be sick this way? And Jesus said, it doesn't work like that. It's not superstition. It's not karma we're talking about here. This man is like that to, so that he can reveal the glory of God, that the glory of God would be revealed upon him. Sometimes God will heal to show that he can. Third thing, third C. Oftentimes God heals, actually always, to show he's coming to show that he's coming. At the end of Matthew 9, what happened? So the crowd were amazed and they said, nothing's ever happened like this before. It got them looking differently at the times. It made them do inventory on something new is happening in this person, Jesus. This is a new thing. We've seen healing in the Old Testament. We've read about it, but whatever's happening through this Jesus, this is next level and this is new. And I want to just say to you today, in every case when God heals, it is to serve as a sign that a new day has begun in Jesus and will ultimately be fulfilled when he returns. Every sign, every healing is a signpost to the ultimate reality of the kingdom crashing in in fullness. Every healing is, is a burst or a breakthrough of the kingdom saying Jesus rules and reigns and his kingdom is breaking in now and will come fully when he decides to return, like it says in Revelation 21. It's a signpost. Let me, let me, let me just burst a big bubble here for you. Here's a news flash. Every healing between now and the moment that Christ returns and does away with all sickness and death and disease, every healing on the earth is temporary. At best, is temporary at some level. Like think about, think about the Apostle Peter. It, the Bible says that his shadow he was walking in so much power that his shadow was healing bodies as it touched people. Um, all those people that Peter's shadow healed and Peter himself are dead. Yeah? Uh, Paul, who's, I mean, the exploits of what Paul did are unbelievable. And you, you hear about his, his handkerchief being sent around, just touching it, people were being healed all the people that got Paul's hanky are dead. 
Paul is dead. Okay, so, so all of those healings were ultimately about something greater and ultimately were pointing, they're, they're pointing to get our hope right. They were pointing toward the full coming of the kingdom that they're, they're, like, they're a foretaste of what is to come, of the reality of heaven. It's like whenever you see someone's body healed, it should remind you God is good, God is great, and Jesus is able and willing to heal, and there's coming a day where there will be no more sickness, sorrow, crying, or pain. That's what healing is ultimately. It's supposed to raise our hope and fix our focus on the coming reality of the kingdom. That's what, that's what healing is for. It's like a 20-degree like day in March. Anybody ever, you know those days in March? It's like 20 degrees and all the white people like me get their pasty white legs out and start going out for a run. And like the, the glare is too much, right? It's that early taste of summer. That's what healing is. It's an early taste of heaven. Let me say that again. Healing is like an early taste of heaven. It's a deposit to deal with our hope in the now not yet reality of the kingdom of heaven. That's what healing is. Healing is a sign of the now not yet reality. Let me, let me say it like this. Healing is a foretaste and a signpost of heaven's rule on the earth. And so when we pray, we pray from that reality. We pray believing that Jesus has authority to do whatever he wants. And in many cases, the Holy Spirit of God wants to show the reality of heaven and show his kindness and show his goodness and show his greatness in the lives of real people in real places in real time. So God heals, amen? And he heals to show that he cares, that he can, and that he's coming. Whew. Now how should we approach it? I'm almost done. How should we approach healing as a believer, the supernatural healing? I have three quick things I would tell you. First, we need to approach it in prayer, we need to pray for healing consistently. We just need to be people who keep leaning in to healing prayer. And how many of you know that's hard? Especially when God doesn't always answer the way we want. And so it gets really easy to paint every infirmity in every situation with broad strokes of our history. But we're supposed to, the Bible tells us to lean in and pray Quickly, liberally, often, continually, without ceasing. This is the command of Scripture. You have not because you ask not. There's a lot of times where I should have been quicker to pray that I've learned, even, even in my own home, like, like when, when sickness hits our house. There's been times where uh, one of my kids or my wife will have a migraine or they'll have the flu or a cold, and I'll hit them with all the meds and forget to pray. What an idiot. Because there's been times where like four days of flu, I was like, you know what? I should pray. <laughs> Your pastor, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> great man of faith. No, you just forget. You get so in the, in the like the, just the rhythms of life in 21st century Canada that you forget, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a citizen of heaven. And before I go to the ER, I should ask the great physician to intervene. It's not to say you don't go to the doctor. We have many great doctors, men and women of faith that are part of this church. It's just to say we should default to pray quick. 
And there's been times where I've, I've learned a lesson from God. Like I've prayed for my wife when she's had migraines and they've broken instantly. I'm like, wow, I should have done that three hours ago. Right? We've prayed for sickness and we've seen that happen. We need to be quick to pray. We need to do it consistently. It gives us communal strength. You know that we should be a body just in the same way that your body, God, is designed to regenerate and heal itself. Did you know that God has given the church, the body of Christ, the ability to serve itself? That's why James says, if anyone, if anyone among you is sick, let them come. Let the elders come around them and pray for the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. So it's, God's given us the gift of healing to, to actually strengthen one another and encourage one another. He's also given us the gift of healing to lead the way in evangelism. It gets very hard for people to, not, to deny the existence of God when he reaches in and touches them in a way that they could not imagine being touched. It's a great evangelistic tool. And we should be a little more bold and courageous and quick to consistently pray. Pray consistently. Number two, my note takers are loving this, aren't you? You get a whole outline. Like, oh. Pray persistently, repeatedly, without ceasing, audaciously. Keep knocking, ask, seek, knock. I will admit this before you too. There are times I've given up too quickly and too easily. And Jesus himself even demonstrated. Like, do you know Jesus went multiple times? Like, like you remember the story of the man uh, who was blind and it says Jesus touched his eyes and he said, in, in effect, did it work? And the guy said, a little bit. He said, I see men that look like trees. And then Jesus says, okay, let's try again. And then it says the second time he was completely healed. And that showed us, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know how. There's just mystery involved in this. And the scripture tells us that we should in every circumstance, like, go after these things. To pray, like, to pray again. Like, instead of just, oh, we prayed once, we should pray twice, thrice, four times, whatever. Just keep knocking and keep praying. Jesus one time said, because of your audacious persistence, the Father will answer. So let's be persistent. Final thought. We need to pray confidently. Confidently. And this is where, and I'll get to ditches in just a second as I, as I wrap up. But we need to pray not from our past disappointments. How many of you know sometimes it's, it's very challenging to come into a moment of prayer for healing especially and not have to wade through all of maybe your doubts, fears, and disappointments at the same time? What we're supposed to anchor ourselves in is not what we've seen God do in our circumstances. We're supposed to anchor ourselves in what we've seen God do in his son. So we pray in faith, believing that nothing's impossible for God. Why? Because we've seen God heal in the past? No, because we saw God make a way through sin and death by dying our death and rising in victory, and that if God is able to raise himself from the dead, there's nothing he's not able to do. So our faith is anchored in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's also anchored in the goodness of God demonstrated through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Sometimes we have a hard time praying because we don't think God cares about that or about me. 
but we don't anchor our prayers in our current circumstances. If you start doing the math on your circumstances, you're going to get confused, maybe even discouraged. But if you look back at the cross of Jesus, you can't but conclude there is nothing that God would not do for you. That's what Romans 8 is all about. Paul says, if God gave you his son... There is no more precious thing to him that he wouldn't give you. So we boldly ask a father who withholds no good thing from us. We pray confidently. We don't pray from our circumstances. We pray from the son. That's what we do. Okay, I'll wrap up. We're gonna, last thought, and we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to pray, and we're going to go into a time of prayer for healing. Uh, some ditches to avoid. I felt to just kind of cover this because I want our church to step a little deeper into this, but I want to do it in health. First ditch is beware of the God always heals mindset. Um, in the same way that you can run all the way down Jefferson Road and say God never heals, we'll get to that in a second, you can also run down the road to say, well, if there's no sickness in heaven, that means there's no sickness on earth. That's not, that's not true. Like I just said, like Paul died, Peter died. Uh, and I've been here where we have prayed fervently, persistently, confidently, boldly, and not gotten the answer that we want. And here's why I'm telling you this. Um, at the beginning and the end of the day, God gets to be God. And he gets to determine what he wants to do and how he wants to move. So we have to come to these things in great humility and confidence. And I don't know exactly how to do that. That's a mystery and a paradox. But we have to come to him saying, God, you're God. And you get to decide what happens in this person's life or my life. But now based on who I know you to be, pray. So avoid the God always heals mindset. Let's not run down. What happens here is like, because you can get in, I've seen this in faith communities. You can, you can create this culture that says, if, if, you, if you weren't healed, you must have done something wrong. And that's, that's, that's damaging stuff. And it sets us up for a lot of disappointment and hope deferred. So we need to let God be God. But we also need to have a God to avoid uh, the God never heals mindset. The Jeffersonian kind of approach. That God never does it. God didn't do it then, so he won't do it now. You need to every time kind of come at this new based on who God has revealed himself to be in Christ. Number three, thinking that God will heal this but not that. Here's another newsflash. All healing miracles are small for God. There's no, like for us, it's like, well, God, you know, I'll pray for a headache. God could do that, but I can't pray for terminal cancer. It's all lightweight for him. Amen? Like there's no, there's, there's no like, God's not like, ooh, I'm gonna roll my sleeves up for that one, right? Like, He's sovereign. There, there's, there's no end to his power. There's nothing, something you can ask him. He's like, ah, oh, sorry, that one's out of my pay grade. You know, like there's no, there's no big one. There's like, don't think that God can heal this, but not that. And, and conversely, you know what a lot of us are guilty of? Thinking that this thing's too small to bother God with. They're all small to him. And he cares for you nonetheless. Avoid thinking that God will heal them, but not me. That's a common one, isn't it? Happy to pray, but I'm going to die on my own sword for myself. I'm going to suffer this one out. And yeah, God, God calls us to suffer well. 
Absolutely. But he also invites us to pray and says, you have not because you ask not. So humble yourself and pray. Maybe God would reach in and change that or heal that thing. Number five, thinking that it all depends on you. This is kind of connected to, to, to some of these. We need to avoid superstition. We need to avoid like thinking that there's like expert prayers. No, there's just humble people who believe God can do the impossible. And we humbly and boldly and confidently ask that God would do that. There's no, we don't have incantations. Yeah, that's pagan. The pagans cut themselves and hoot and holler. And we, we pray in faith. We believe that God is good and that he's able. And, and we, we just do it humbly. Don't think that this depends on you. God's the healer. We're just vessels praying. Amen? God is the healer. Number six, thinking that it doesn't depend on you at all. Here's a hard truth. Sometimes the healing didn't happen not because God wasn't willing, but because we didn't ask. So, so, so God might have put you in someone's way to be the hands and feet of Christ to actually do the work of healing on the earth as it is in heaven. And then number seven, just again, failing to pray at all. We've got to start intentionally pushing deeper into praying for healing. Uh, one of my favorite church leaders of the last hundred years, a guy named John Wimber. Uh, he led the, the vineyard movement, and I, I just love his ministry. I love the way he thought about it, but he talks in his testimony about uh, seeing a, a great increase in healing miracles in their church community. And one of, the, one of the things he said was this, and I think this is such good guideline for us. He said, when we prayed for no one, no one was healed. Now we pray for lots of people, and some of them are healed. And that's a much better percentage. Amen? So I want to be a church that prays for lots of people and some of them get healed. Amen? Would you stand to your feet, all of our locations? I want to pray. So Father, over King's Church, we just, we know that we just declare in faith that you're a healer and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You always have been, always will be a healer. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a deeper measure of faith. Give us humility and yet confidence, meekness and yet boldness. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would increase the work of your, hand, your healing touch. And we invite you to do that uh, in our church and in our midst. We pray, Lord, that it would become even more common to see people healed. We pray, Lord, that our kids would, uh, would grow up in a church culture that's like, yeah, of course people get healed of sickness. Uh, Lord, we ask that that would be the case. We ask, Lord, that you'd equip us to learn how to pray, even as we're in the marketplace and out, you know, meeting and out about the city, Lord, that people would see the glory of Jesus demonstrated and the kindness of God through these miraculous works of healing. We believe that you're a healer. We believe that nothing's impossible for you, God. And we pray all this in your name and all God's people said in faith. Amen. Amen. Amen.